you know, we know there's so much data about having diverse ideas and experiences and voices in the room end up creating a better product, a better, better leadership, better financial results, better fiduciary. And so, you know, for that reason, it's so important to me to be somebody with a chair at the table, voice at the table, bringing others along as we create this industry. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there, and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast to help you turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand every single day. Now, people ask me all of the time, what are some things that brands are doing right that I could apply myself? And, you know, there's really two things that I think of, and that is being centered and being relevant. Really great brands are centered and stay true to who they are. They are authentic, and we know that we can depend on them over time to be true to their North Star. Now, let me think of a great brand that I'm obsessed with. I've always been obsessed with the Walt Disney Company and Disney theme parks. I've been going to Disneyland since I was six months old as a SoCal kid um, and even was a kid from the Kingdom Dancer there back in the very, very early 90s in Electrical Parade and Christmas Parade and Fantasmic. But one of the things that we know about Disney is that they're so consistent in being true to who they are. Are. We think of their mission as turn to the Walt Disney Company for the best in family entertainment. And they've been doing that now for almost 100 years. They're coming up on their 100th anniversary. But being centered and staying true to who you are only works as long as you are relevant because great brands just like the Walt Disney Company are constantly evolving to stay relevant to their target audiences. So let me repeat that. We can be centered and stay relevant at the same time. So while Walt Disney Company has been focused on being the place that delivers amazing family entertainment, they have constantly evolved to be relevant to what that family audience is. So just think of over time, if we went to Disneyland 60 years ago, the types of experiences that are different from today. You know, they had their own wake-up call in the 80s when they realized that teenagers no longer wanted to do kiddie things, and they had to make sure that they were bringing in rock music and stage areas like Videopolis for dancing and more dynamic theme park attractions like Star Tours that were about adventure 
adventure and bringing in shows or 3D movies like Captain EO because they were being relevant to what that family audience was then, just as they are relevant today in incorporating LGBTQ characters and multiracial characters and really thinking about a much more global family audience. So think of that for yourself. What can you stay centered on as your North Star? What do you believe in? What can people always turn to you for? And remember, everything evolves because the nature of work changes, people change, technology changes, and you want to change and evolve with your audience so that you can continue to have career breakthroughs. Now, I am super excited today to have a great friend and former colleague, Joanna Popper on. Now, she is the global head of virtual reality for location-based entertainment at HP. Now, Joanna is awesome because she is both a Hollywood and Silicon Valley media executive, and she leads HP's initiatives for go-to-market and location-based entertainment for the awesome virtual reality. Now, she has been selected as one of the 50 women that can change the world in media and entertainment, one of the top women in media game changers, and on the digital it list. She's spoken at amazing conferences like South by Southwest and CES, and she's going to join us in just a few minutes. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. We are back, and I am here with the fabulous Joanna Popper. Joanna, what's going on? It's great to be here with you, Mr. Fabulous Jason Patria. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) Of course. So I simply had to have you on the show because you've had such an interesting career, and you have this great brand that you really personify. But let me just start with this. You know, you are the global head of VR and location-based entertainment for HP. So how do you describe who you are and what you do to people who don't know you and don't even know what VR is? It's a great question. So let's start with what VR is. So there's headsets that you would go inside that look kind of like goggles. And inside that world, you're completely ensconced in a digital world. That's what virtual reality is. It can be used for gaming, for, to learn, to collaborate, to create, to connect. It's a new form of media, and it is the future of computing. So if you think about computing and where it started, you know, it started way back at mainframe, then it went to PC, and now we're in the mobile era. Although today in this COVID world, the PC is very, very essential right now. Mm-hmm. And so the future that we're looking at, which most tech you know, tech visionaries think is that the next wave of computing is going to be the virtual reality wave where many of us wear glasses like those fabulous ones that you're wearing today. And those (laughs) will have, those will be our computing devices. And so that's what I'm working in now. And so it's, it's great to be doing it at HP because HP is actually 
the founder of Silicon Valley. HP was founded by our two founders in the garage, making technology for Walt Disney for his movie Fantasia and has been leaders in all of these different waves of computing. And so for HP, it's incredibly important to be at that forefront, creating what this next wave of computing is going to be. And for me, that I come from a media background as well, you know, we, we were colleagues in the past, yeah. and, but having the opportunity to work at this intersection of media and tech and bringing together storytelling and content and what that future is going to look like is incredibly rewarding. And, and it's great to have this impact that we're having. Absolutely. And so, Joanna, I mean, you talked about we worked together way back in the NBC Universal days. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is you actually have had this whole varied career where you've evolved what it is that you do. So kind of thinking back over your career, what are some of the moments that really stick out as big career breakthrough moments for you? So one of the themes in my career is what's coming, what's next, what is emerging. So you know, early on, my first job in my 20s in Wall Street, I was focused on emerging markets and I had the opportunity to work in New York and had the opportunity to work in Brazil. And actually going to Brazil was one of the big breakthrough moments. I was going to take that traditional route, you know, after a few years working in banking, go back to business school. And when I went to the accepted students day, I realized I wasn't ready to go to business school. I didn't want to go to business school. And I called somebody in our Brazil office the next day at work. And they'd always been said, hey, come down and work with us. Come down and work with us. And I said, hey, were you serious? They said yes. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And three <laughs> weeks later, I moved to Brazil. Oh, my gosh. Now, had, had you spent a lot of time in Brazil before? Or was this kind of like a big upheaval for you? It was a big upheaval. I had spent a lot of time in Latin America and I spoke Spanish. I didn't speak Portuguese. And I'd probably been to Brazil a handful of times. I loved it, but I'd been there a handful of times. So, you know, I was sent there as a very junior person, but sent as an expat and had this amazing experience where I got to live in a different country, you know, learn a completely new language that I, I didn't know and work in a different environment. I had done a variety of exchange programs before, but working in a different environment is very different than studying in a different environment. Absolutely. So for me, it was, you know, it, it, looking back, was it a huge risk not going to business school? Maybe not, but, you know, in retrospect, but at the time, you know, turning down business schools and going to a country where I didn't really know anybody, didn't speak the language and getting to be that much closer to our end customer and our end consumer and, and who our audience was since I was focused in Latin America was really important to me. I spent a year in Brazil. I had the time of my life. I met amazing people. I learned about working to live versus living to work, which in New York, Wall Street, it was about living to work. And in Brazil, they're all about working to live. Um, so that, that was a good new new value to add into, into my values. I, and so I ended up going back to business school. And, and one of the things I learned was the 80-20 rule. You know, and typically, you know, the 80-20 rule is that 20% of your customers are going to give you 80% of your, your revenue. Mm -hmm. For me and my career, I've looked at it as, you know, when you start getting itchy and start thinking, oh, is it time for me to move on? What should be next? I look at what, you know, what 20% of my job am I doing today that I most enjoy, that I have the biggest impact, that where I feel like I'm making the, the best contribution and I want to lean into that further. And I look at, okay, how do I make that 20%, 80% in my next role? And so where did that take you next? Well, so in my, in my banking job, what I most enjoyed was doing strategy. 
So we were doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions. And for me, it wasn't about just like the thrill of the deal or, uh, you know, the running of the numbers or closing the deal. It was about what's the strategy? Why do these two companies fit together? Why do they make sense? And so after I finished business school, I ended up working at McKinsey in, in strategy consulting. Um, so I so I actually followed my path. I wrote my business school essay about it and, and I got my summer internship and I ended up uh, moving to Miami to work for, for McKinsey. And then when I was at McKinsey, the projects that resonated the most with me, you know, that I was enjoying, where I felt like I had the most impact were always in marketing. And so when I left McKinsey, I ended up going to a marketing role. So then you spent a whole bunch of years in the classic TV business. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that. How, How does the consulting girl show up in, you know, big media? You know, I had a job in between where I I was a marketer. I went to work for a company, DHL, that we were consulting for. And, you know, so I I switched from being a consultant to leading a team that had consultants working for us, which was certainly the more fun way to go about it. Um, And then and then I and then I wanted to work in media. You know, I'd always had this dream to work in media. And, you know, I interviewed at different companies, but it, it was a little hard to break in, you know, coming, having my Wall Street background, having my consulting background, having my, you know, marketing, but a different industry background. And I was living in Miami. So I was mostly interviewing for either Latin American headquarters or for U.S. Hispanic networks. And I, you know, I, I t- spoke to a lot of different companies um, and, it, and it didn't happen as fast as I wanted it to. But uh, so I started making a documentary on the side. So I produced a documentary on eating disorders. Um, I, you know, was on a board of the Florida Film Festival. And so I was looking for ways to have that sort of that creative outlet um, in other ways outside my job and to have to be connected to media in other ways outside my job. And then um, after a couple of years, I interviewed at Telemundo and Antoinette Zell. I don't know if you ever worked with her, but she yeah. depends on me. You know, she saw my background and saw, you know, I, that I had the ability to do the job and I would, you know, approach it in, in probably a different way with the banking background and the, the consulting background. And she herself had been a lawyer before she had, you know, risen to the top of Viacom and then, you know, at NBC Universal and, Te- and Telemundo. And she offered me a job and I jumped in and then I stayed there nearly a decade. So, so it was definitely very different. Uh, was, you know, and you know, every role I've had, every environment has been a very different culture, a very different different role, and always you know a big learning curve. But also, you know, I thrive in that growth mindset of you know how are we you know learning something new and and continuing to evolve. Absolutely. And so tell me, I mean, you spent a long time there. How did you then pivot again? Right. Because back then we weren't even no one even knew what VR wasn't even a thing. Right. So how did you pivot again to be in the VR space for like the original Silicon Valley company? I loved it. I loved working there. I loved being part of you know, content creation and bringing entertainment to people and you know, working at Telemundo where we were providing a home and a space for the his- Hispanics in the United States. Uh, you know, we had really fun content. We, you know, we worked with our stars. We created, you know, great advertising campaigns and created the, f- you know, first novellas kind of in that Breaking Bad genre. And, um, you know, it was also a time that, 
the digital landscape was shifting greatly and social media was shifting greatly. So I, I started working there in 2007 and stayed until uh, 2015. And when we started, I think we were doing Yahoo banner ads. And that was, that was our big digital <laughs> that was digital. <laughs> yeah. And we had a partnership with, with Yahoo. And, you know, so, so during that time, we really got to shape and build and create that digital strategy. So, you know, started with SEO and SEM and then, uh, you know, I actually think I, I created our, our original Facebook pages for, for Telemundo with my own little fingers. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and then so you know, we were growing that and then, you know, we were doing VOD and streaming. And so when it came time to move on, there were two streams that were the most interesting to me. And one was content creation and the other was that fast paced world of digital and that, you know, how the marketing had shifted so much, but not just the marketing, also the viewer. So how the viewers were interacting with our content had shifted, how, and how we, how we can, you know, how we brought our content into the world that that shift for, to whenever, whenever, you know, whatever, whenever. And, you know, the viewer really got to decide when and how they were going to interact with the content. Mm -hmm. And so I had an opportunity then to move to Silicon Valley and lead media and marketing for an organization called Singularity University, which was focused on training leaders on the future of technology. So on AI and VR and, uh, blockchain and digital biology. Um, and I was there, I was there for, oh, I lived in Silicon Valley about two years and, you know, it, it was probably of all the jobs I've had, that was probably one of the biggest learning curves. You know, it was moving from Miami, working in Spanish television in a huge media conglomerate to moving to San Francisco to work at a startup, leading media and marketing with such different personalities and different audiences and a different way of marketing and mm -hmm. creating content and media. So it was it was a lot of change. A lot of change. And one, while I was there, one of the projects that I was the most excited about is I ended up doing a television deal back with NBC to create a TV show on, on science, tech and innovation you know, back, back with our, 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 you know, the team at NBC, the, yeah. team, the team that brought the, you know, the voice and America's got talent and a lot of the, the really great unscripted shows. And so, you know, when I was having one of those moments of, you know, is this what I want to be doing? We have our one life as far as we know, you know, is this the best use of this one? <laughs> one life? Uh, and I realized, you know, my favorite thing that I'm doing is this television show. And if that's the case, then I should probably you know, make my way back into the media world. And, uh, you know, I started talking to networks again and, you know, for roles kind of similar, you know, leading marketing for different networks. And, but what I realized was like in that time in Silicon Valley, something had shifted for me and that it didn't feel like what I wanted to be doing anymore. And, and so I, you know, had to look at, well, what is it? And, and I had tried virtual reality already in I think 2014 for the first time and have been doing a number of projects with VR, even, even in, in that role. And so I, I did what I call my 30 coffees. So I, you know, I just reached out to people on LinkedIn and I, you know, went to every uh, tech conference and film festival and saw as much as VR as possible and rapidly fell in love, fell in love with the industry, fell in love with the impact they were having, fell in love with the culture and the, the innovators and the dreamers that were creating this industry. And, 
really soon decided, okay, I want to work in this. And then not that long later, you know, the HP offered me a job and now I've been at HP about almost about three years. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me, how would you describe your brand as a leader at the intersection of media and tech? I would describe my brand as is always being focused on that what's next. You know, if I you know go back to when I said Wall Street, I was working in emerging markets, and then I was working in emerging audiences in you know the with, with the Hispanic audience, and then I was working in emerging technology in, in my in my first role in Silicon Valley, and then now at HP, it's you know the future of computing. So I've always been on that forefront of what, whether it's you know through an audience, through a type of marketing, through a pr- type of product. I've always been on you know what's coming and what's next. And what are we building? You know, it's it not just about let's, okay, we did it. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Like, you know, you know like just not just sort of tweaking the process, but really yeah. about like building something new where you can have an outsized impact more towards the ground floor. Now, I mean, you said, you know, when we were at NBC, nobody knew what VR uh, was. Well, that's not exactly true. You know, there are people in labs, in research centers, in the military, you know, who, who've been in and around VR for for many 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 yeah. years but in terms of VR as an actual industry and having products that are commercially available for people we're still relatively early and it's a still relatively nascent industry yeah and i love that you can see that whole thread it's like you've been on brand regardless of what the industry is right because that whole notion of asking what's next and sort of being on the cutting edge is that through line for you right that um, when, when you say it it all makes sense but to an outsider it feels like people get locked up a lot of times like oh i i've already invested time in this industry or this type of job and and i'm fearful to jump right what what were some of the things that made it easier for you to say, hey, I'm going to take this risk and go do TV or consulting or or go to Silicon Valley. What are some of the things that helped you get over those fears? Well, you know, the fear would be, you know, I think the, the root of the fear is like, you know, fear of failing, right? Either fear of failing or, you know, looking bad or fear of, you know, Am I going to be good at this job or, you know, um, and then, and then, you know, there's also, of course, like very real financial fears that people have, you know, making sure that they can provide for themselves and provide for their families. So it's, it's very different for every person, right? What's very different is what that fear is, but then also what drives them, you know? And so for some people, what drives them is a bigger title or making X more money. And so, of course, I care about those things because we all do at some level, Yeah, but those aren't my the biggest drivers for me. The biggest drivers for me are, am I going to enjoy my job? What percentage of the days am I going to enjoy my job? And so I've always maximized, I've always optimized <laughs> for like, you know, am I going to enjoy this job? And what is it that makes me enjoy the job? It's working with people I respect. It's having a product I'm really excited about. It's having an impact in, and being able to build something and feeling like I'm on a constant adventure. You know, it's it's not just showing up to work every day, but like life is an adventure. And how do I make sure that my role is an adventure and then also having an impact? And so, you know, there's been jobs where I felt like, you know, the impact part is is more more core to the job. And mm-hmm. then there's been jobs where I haven't felt that. And then I felt like I need to go outside my job and find other other things outside the job where I can have a stronger, you know, positive impact on the in the world. And so there's an element in what I'm doing now where I feel that the impact is strong. 
both because there was the ability and the opportunity to have an impact in the industry, but then also because there's the ability as a, a woman or somebody underrepresented in technology and in me, you know, in that intersection of media and entertainment and technology and being seen as a leader in that industry, it, I feel that I get to inspire and champion other women and or other underrepresented populations. And I do deeply believe in the be it, see it. I do deeply believe in, you know, bringing other people along with you, you know, as you grow. Mm -hmm. And that for me, I would say is probably what's most fundamentally important to me about what we're doing. And the reason for that is that if I look back at previous waves of computing and even previous, you know, earlier media that was created, Mm -hmm. it tended to be created by, you know, one demographic group. And, you know, one demographic group isn't representative of our whole, you know, robust society. And because of that, you know, lots of amazing things were created, but lots of amazing things were also left to the side. And in terms of, you know, products and technology and making sure that platforms were safe for, for people of all different backgrounds. And so, you know, we know there's so much data about having diverse ideas and experiences and voices in the room end up creating a better product, a better, better leadership, better financial results, better fiduciary. And so, you know, for that reason, it's so important to me to be somebody with a chair at the table, voice at the table, bringing others along as we create this industry. Absolutely. And one thing that I love, Joanna, is because even though I don't think I've seen you in person for like two years, right? It's like, I feel like I follow you all of the time on platforms like LinkedIn. You are like this ultimate ambassador of both HP, the VR industry, as well as really, you know, yourself as a leader in it. Tell me, what are your tips for being kind of a role model and a thought leader in platforms like LinkedIn? Well, early on in my days in VR, you know, I had a little bit of this very early, you know, when I, the first talks I gave you know, I felt a little shy about self-promotion, let's call it. And I remember sitting on a plane coming back, I think it was from Austin or Atlanta, going back to California. And I was trying to decide if I was going to you know, post something. And I've, as I said, I felt a little like, ooh, I'm so self-promotional to post. You know, oh, and, and by the way, you're talking at things like South by Southwest and CES. <laughs> so this is like not like little stuff that you're talking at, right? So I'm tooting your, your horn for you there. Thank you, thank you. And, you know, so I decided to post it and the plane took off. And when I landed, I had invitations to speak at other events and for people to fly me to other events and, you know, put me up in a hotel. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm never again going to be shy. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about immediate uh, results there, right? Results, immediate results. So, so that's one, but what I think is really, really important in this is that knowing like what your true North is. And for me, I don't feel like what I'm posting is this there to like, hey, buy our thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, hey, help me make money for my company. I don't think that's super compelling for people. I think the story, the why it matters, you know, everything I just said about, you know, what the true north for me that, you know, being somebody from an underrepresented background in media and tech and VR is I think that comes across in what I am sharing. 
one. And two, since I'm working in an industry a lot of people don't know about yet, there's something of interest for people. You know, people get to follow along and find out and learn about this industry and sort of uncover what's happening in it. And and so I think from the feedback I get from people who are constantly commenting when I see them live or, or even online about what I'm posting is that, that that comes across my energy, my passion, my enthusiasm, and that I see what I'm doing is, is helping to grow the inclusion and representation in our industry. Absolutely. I don't think it really makes sense to go into something like thinking, hey, I'm going to be a thought leader. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just that's not how I think about it. You know, like somebody once called me and they they said, "Oh, I think I want to be a thought leader in X industry," and they never worked in the industry. I think it's more about you know, kind of finding an industry, an environment, a company, a, you know, a, the startup you're going to found, the project you're going to create and start your on your own that aligns and matches with what you want to create in this world, that aligns and matches with the values that you want to bring. And then along that path, share your path. Mm, I love that sharing your path, right? It's really about being in service of other people, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you're not posting. I mean, sure, you could post and then, you know, to give yourself an ego boost if I got X, you know, engagement and likes and whatever. But, you know, I don't know if that's going to be compelling. Maybe, but I, I don't think that's as compelling as really like truly sharing, you know, your journey and your path. And, and that's going to look incredibly different for different people. Mm-hmm. And Joanna, I'm interested because you end up working with all sorts of different type of people. So how do you sort of alter your brand or alter the way you lead with your brand, knowing like you're working with like hardcore engineers sometimes, right? And then you're out at these, you know, big, crazy entertainment, big movie type of events that are talent driven and ego driven things. And then you work in different, you know, Silicon Valley where everyone's like wearing their shorts to work and then going out to clients where it's like red carpet. How do you kind of stay authentic to yourself, but still kind of modulate towards the audience? That's a great question. And and I think, you know, when I, when I kind of mentioned earlier that that adaptation from you know, moving to Miami, working in Spanish media to move to a big company, NBCU, to moving to Silicon Valley and then working with in a very different environment, different personality, different things that were rewarded. And it, it's something that I, so, so I would say, you know, you are. It's important to be you wherever you go. It's important not to be try to be like too much of a chameleon and, you know, completely change yourself and who you are, but also to respect the environment that you're in and understand what form of communication is going to work best. How are you going to best achieve your goals in the environment that you're in? So for me, you know, that line and that, you know, figuring that out is how can I be myself, you know, bring my full self to work, bring my full self to where I am, but at the same time, respect others, interact well with others and, you know, create an environment that works for everybody. Absolutely. And since you've spent so much time in the marketing space, right, putting your marketer hat on, what is something that you uh, like a marketing principle that you advise for your clients or, or your products or your companies that you feel people should really apply to themselves when they're marketing their own professional brand? That's a great one. Well, we have this new headset Ooh. recently started shipping. 
all of and, you audio listeners at home can't see it, but Jason can see it. I'm, yeah. I'm right what's, it, what's it called? It's called the HD Reverb Generation 2. We recently started shipping it. We're really excited about it. It's a partnership between HP, Microsoft, and Valve. Our, our, it's a third headset with Microsoft and our first headset with Valve. And this headset is for consumers and for business. It is incredibly high resolution, so it's super clear. It has great audio, so it makes its voice heard. And it's easy and comfortable to put on. So, you know, it can go anywhere and be everywhere. So, uh, you know, I would say thinking about being clear, speaking your truth and speaking your voice and, I don't know, being easygoing, I guess. I, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make up the product attributes. Those are the product <laughs> attributes. I made up how that applies to your brand. <laughs> but I love, I love that as a marketer, you were so clear about the brand attributes of that product, right? Now, what would you say the brand attributes of Joanna are? My brand attributes, I would say, are high energy, mm-hmm. highly like a strong connection. Mm-hmm. With people, you know, we talk about constantly evolving and learning and adventure, like Ooh. living life, like it, live, living life in every day, and whether it's work or outside of work or you know, living life like it's an adventure. Even today, you know, these days when I'm basically home, either in VR or on Zoom all the time, you know, still like, how do we keep every day being something new and exciting and adventurous? Yeah. So, Joanna, a couple final questions for you. Um, We've been talking all about brands. What is your favorite brand? What are you obsessed with as a consumer? The brand that I found very useful to me in my life is Lyft. I actually haven't had a car since I left Miami. The whole time I've lived in California. What? Five years, I've never had a car. And so, you know, so this is this just tells you I am from the future. Listen, I work in virtual reality. I've never <laughs> had a business card ever since I've left left NBC Universal. I've been through two different jobs, one of which I was head of marketing and, and media, and I actually still never had a business card. And I don't I haven't owned a car in five years because I just when I go places, I take Lyft and I'm just waiting for that autonomous car to come about. So, oh, wow. So this will be another challenging question for you. If you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Well, I would be an autonomous car. And how come? It will be an electric autonomous car. So, you know, it'd be kind of used for carpool where it goes around picking people up all the time. Um, You know, that people's cars that they own, even not during COVID, but just in general in life, sit empty over 90% of the time. So you buy the, you know, it's a fairly large purchase for most people, you know, as a percentage of things that they buy in their life. Right. And then it just sits empty. You know, you drive it to work, maybe you drive it to a couple of meetings during the day, maybe not drive it home, maybe drive it to go out once in a while. But basically, cars just sit empty. So a Thomas car would be, you know, you don't need par- you don't need parking, you don't need a garage, you don't need to own it, and then it constantly drives around picking people up. You know, being fully useful, it would be electric, of course, so it can be green, and and you could get a different one depending on where you are going. So if you're going skiing, you could get the one that makes sense there. If you're going out for your sporting night out around the town, then you could get that one. So that's the kind of car I would be if I were going to be a car. Awesome. And finally, what is the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? The best career advice would be be confident, follow your own path 
and be confident in that path and know that it's a journey. You're not trying to get somewhere. It's all a journey and every moment of it has some value. Whether either you're learning, you know, you failed and now you have to get back up and you're learning. So that's one, or that may have been two, actually. I think it was two. And then the third, I do want to say, I feel like this one we're not taught enough or we're taught it in a little like later in our life, which is lean into your strengths instead of worrying so much about trying to work on and work on and improve your, 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 you know, so-called weaknesses or development areas. You know, if you lean into your strengths at work and you find a role where your strengths are what is valued there, you know, you're going to have a lot more room to grow and succeed. Absolutely. And it really all kind of comes back to your 80-20 rule, right? It's like, how do you take the 20% of what you're super great at and then make that be the 80% or more of the value, right? Exactly. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for joining us and helping us go on your career journey. Thank you. It was great to be here with you. And I love your career journey. It's so inspiring. Oh, thank you. And thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Love your energy. It's always so great to be around you. And we'll be back. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Well, I just loved our conversation with Joanna. She just had so many nuggets. The one thing that really stood out with me that links back to the lead with your brand system is all about finding the balance between your strengths, your passions, and the needs of the marketplace. You know, she really found that North Star really early on in having a brand that was defined by what's next and always looking for what was evolving and what was changing. But along her path and her journey, I love that she noted that sometimes her passions weren't always being filled. Oftentimes her strengths were being utilized, but she really noted that she looked for external things with friends, family, volunteers, volunteerism that really helped her feed that passion all of the time. But what she was really clear on was looking for that intersection of where her strengths really met up with the changing needs of technology and finding herself in a role that's really at the sweet spot and intersection of strengths, talents, and organization needs. So that's what you need to do. You need to really focus on your strengths and figure out where they align with your passions and never, ever forget that business and the marketplace and the consumer is always changing and you want to find the opportunity where those things align with need. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and we love feedback. So go ahead and rate the show. You can find me at Jay's and Patria on all social media platforms. I'd love a follow or a connect on LinkedIn so you can get all of my tips on how to lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And don't you forget, don't be a commodity like coffee. Make sure that you're a super premium brand like Starbucks. 
You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.